Okay, praise the Lord. Well, y'all gentlemen sound great. Folks, we've got an exciting program for you. I want to welcome you wherever you're tuning in from. We're just getting started, so please invite a friend to tune in. You can send them over to Mega Man Radio. We've got a couple options for you to listen live, and here we go. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America Babylon and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. All right, friends, that's our cue. Welcome back to another live marathon. We've got a full night for you, starting right now, going to the wee hours. Today is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. I want to welcome you if you're here for the first time, all of our regular folk. Of course, welcome back. Uh, we've got very special guests today here on the program with myself and Brother Ralph Pupart. Brother Ralph, how are you doing, my brother? I'm uh, just excellent, my friend. It's good to hear your voice again. Would you like to introduce our special guest tonight, all the way from Panama? Absolutely, Shannon. I'm happy to do that. Um, I'm going to bring on somebody that has been very closely affiliated with me since, gosh, I think probably the mid-1990s now. His name is Dr. Daniel Daves from Children's Feeding Network. And Dan, are you, are you there, sir? I can hear you just fine. Perfectly. From the mountains in Panama. It's amazing what technology does, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, we're going so to, Shannon, um, you, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. We've got the next hour together, gentlemen. Uh, would one of you like to open us up in prayer tonight? Dan, why don't you go ahead and I'll take it from there. For uh, Fine, fine. That's wonderful. Well, we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for this marathon evening of communication and information. We ask that your powerful Holy Spirit would engage us and that you would bring revelation light to those, maybe some, who are listening for the very first time. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us and for giving us divine insight, inspiration, revelation, giving us ideas things uh, that we need to be about doing, corrections that need to be made. We thank you for guiding and directing every word, every conversation, and we thank you, Lord, for all that's going to take place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I say amen Thanks, to that. Dan. I appreciate that. Yeah, Brother Ralph, sure. why so, don't you kick it off yeah. tonight? Over to you. So, guys, I... Um, you know, it's interesting when I started to put all this together with Dan the other day, and then last night this scripture just kind of dropped in my spirit. So I want to read this to you because there's key components here that are going to, especially considering what's been happening the last several days, they're going to be so profound when you see them. This is out of Matthew 24, verses 6 to 13. Very familiar with people who know the way around their Bible. For those of you who may be just kind of coming on board and wondering, what the heck is going on here? This is actually a prophetic word that Jesus spoke over 2,000 years ago. It's out of a New International Version translation, and it goes like this, and see if this does not ring true. You will hear 
of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. There's a real big word right there. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Here's the thing. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of the birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted, put to death. You'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. Now, guys, we could probably do four or six programs just out of this scripture. But the thing that jumped out at me was this line, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And when I started looking at that, Dan, I thought about you because of all the conversations that we've had, the time we spent with you, Dan, in Panama. And what I'd like you to do, if you wouldn't mind, is give the listeners tonight uh, a little bit of an overview of who you are, how you landed in Panama, and then once we've had a handle on that and what you're doing, I want to walk them through some headlines that have just come out in the last several days that are focusing on some massive, massive food issues that I promise you most people don't even know exist, even though it's right in their nose. So, Dan, would you give us some introductions to who you are, where you are in Panama, what we're doing, and then we'll bring it back and let's talk about some of these, uh, some of these articles. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me on the program all the way from uh, Panama. My wife, Tracy, and I, uh, indeed, have been living in Latin America now for almost 11 years. And um, we, uh, before that, I have always done uh, two things, had a, a, a hand on my sword and a hand on the trowel, uh, building the walls. So I've always been in ministry and business together. Um, and uh, 20 years of pastoring, multiple years of, of building and establishing businesses uh, that would help fund uh, the kingdom of God and uh, also fund feeding of widows and orphans. We've always had a heart for widows and orphans, and um, uh, just some, some great men of God established early on in my life that I needed to stay close to the heartbeat of the Lord, and that was, and the way to do that was to take care of widows and orphans in distress. I had one gentleman that told me, he said, God has um, made two promises in the Bible, and if we can help him fulfill those promises, then his hand will be mighty upon us, and signs, wonders, miracles always follow. I thought, wow, what are those two promises? And that is, I will be a husband to the widow, and I will be a father to the fatherless. And so those, again, we come to feeding, in the book of James, feeding widows and orphans in distress. This is the purest and most undefiled way we can, we can step out in faith and worship God. It's by taking care of those who need help and who cannot take care of themselves, those that he has made personal promises to. And so that's uh, what we've always operated under. But 11 years ago, living in Dallas, Texas, enjoying our lives and our mission and our ministry and business and all of that, the Lord came along and 
pulled a one of those fast ones on us, and he spoke a word to me. Now, I've always, um, all through my years of knowing him since 18 years old, uh, I've always had these words that he would he would give me a sentence, and this one sentence would have enough power in it to keep me busy for a decade. Uh, fulfilling that sentence, and and uh, uh, so and those sentences always would speak of the future, putting me, as many of my friends say, that I'm a decade ahead. <laughs> Matter of fact, some of my friends ask me, "So, what's the Lord saying to you these days?" Because they know that uh, that whatever. Uh, that I'm hearing and operating in is usually uh, everyone will be in it in a decade. Everyone will be doing the same thing in a decade. So uh, I just say that to the glory of God, and um, uh, it's uh, it's an amazing thing to try to walk in faith, knowing what's coming, knowing the future, and but also knowing the season that we're actually living in. So with that, 11 years ago, the Lord spoke to my wife and I. We're busy in business. We're in ministry. I'm traveling around the world doing missions work. And all of a sudden, he says, seize control of food at the root level. Well, um, I've never farmed, never successfully built a garden. But root level sounds to me like I'm pretty close to the ground here. Um, and and uh, planting things in the ground. So so uh, after a, just a little study and research, we came to the conclusion that our children's feeding ministry um, was taking a dramatic shift. And uh, if any of you who've been in feeding ministries, you remember the 9-11 time frame where all companies pulled in their belts and stopped giving food like they had before many food banks shut down and we knew that uh, and a lot of our friends were going out of the food feeding ministries because there was no more food being given so we knew that if uh, if we were going to survive and thrive and keep giving food we were going to have to change how that was going to happen so we're praying lord how, how do we do this the word comes basically daniel you're going to begin to farm it then you can give it. You'll have control of it at the root level. And from there, I had no idea, but many, many things would, would begin to unfold from there. So we set out on a journey, landed in Latin America. We ended up in Panama on a beautiful, blessed piece of land where we now have a prototype farm with 6,000 meters of greenhouse, that's about an acre and a half, uh, which is a small monster to take care of. Lots of employees running around. We're harvesting and planting and, uh, you know, doing the doing the, the crazy work of farmers um, all the time in this 12-month greenhouse. We also have a uh, dehydration center. And one of the main problems we found, and remember, in moving in obedience to the Lord, never having been a farmer, never having really planted anything before, talk about green, uh, smarter than a fifth grader in farming? No, I'm just starting out here, right? So uh, in doing that, though, it's amazing how the Lord trains you every day. Every day on that farm is a college education for whoever is out there. We have learned things, and, and I thank God that I wasn't a professional farmer because we've learned out-of-the-box farming techniques. Things that 
people would say, you can't do that. That won't work. We did it. And it does work. We've learned a lot of things we could never learn if I was a professional farmer. As a matter of fact, friends have come down from the United States. They've bought farms around me and they've said, stand back and watch the professional work. Six months later, they're bankrupt. I don't know what's happening. Uh, the, it, uh, the, the land down here doesn't operate down here like it does up in my neck of the woods. And um, so, so we've learned a whole lot of wonderful things that helps the third world. We're training others in other third world nations how to get food in the ground, how to feed widows and orphans, and how to make their own communities, churches, homes, neighborhoods sustainable. So that when tragedy hits, when weather anomalies hit, when uh, uh, COVID lockdowns hit, you will live and not die because you have control over food at the root level. So, so we are dehydrating food. Why? Because every farm, every community, every nation in the world is losing 40% of what we grow. The farm loses 10 to 15% for whatever reason. The distributor and grocery store, 10 to 15%. And at home, typically, we don't eat 10% and have to throw it away. The answer to food shortages, one of the greatest answers is dehydration. Why? It's not rocket science. It's hot air blowing over the food. And you can dehydrate it, remove the air, and you can, instead of having to get that tomato into someone's hands in the next 48 hours, you now have up to one year to get it into position. And so we have our dehydration center as a prototype. We're training people from it. We're dehydrating. We're growing. We're giving foods away. And we have lots of out-of-the-box ways that we're getting uh, protein and carbohydrates and the whole regimen of vitamins and minerals into the hands of those who are most needy in the third world. So that's what we're doing now. Uh, Ralph, uh, uh, I'll turn it back in just a second, but wanted to mention I wrote a couple of books, and the theme behind the books really says, folks, you have to seize control of food at the root level at your own home, in your own community. Uh, in your own neighborhoods. You need to do it, and you need to do it yesterday. And um, why? Because of what we call four facts and a wild card. Those are in the book, but I'll give you the 30-second elevator message. The four facts and the, and the wild card are this. Number one, fact one, populations are exploding at an exponential rate. Number two, usable farmlands are going down at an exponential rate for many, many reasons. We could talk for an hour just on each one of these facts. Number three, technology is stalled. What used to take us 90 days to grow a head of lettuce. We've got it down now to 28 days. By hydro hydroponics, we can get it down to 28, but the way that populations are exploding, we need to get it down to 15 days. We can't do it. We have stalled. And number four, <clears throat> We now have superbugs, viruses, bacterias that are coming on the scene that are hitting the globe and hitting weak uh, distribution systems, hitting weak um, 
um, uh, agricultural systems and wiping out entire industries and crops during this time. Uh, some of them are so crazy and so bad that we're, we're taking extreme measures. I just heard not long ago, Florida is now spraying human antibiotics on their orange trees to try to stop a blight that nothing will stop. Wow. This stuff is happening all over the world, and we ran, have run out of answers. And finally, after those four facts, the wild card is this. We call it, I don't, I'm not going to call it what you've heard before because I don't want to give any power to the political arena who tries to tax phenomenon, but I would call it this, climate craziness. It's getting hotter in areas. It's getting colder in areas. Jungles are turning to deserts. Deserts are turning to jungles. And the, the poorest of the poor in those areas don't have the money to escape. And so there's great tragedy happening through climate craziness. And with that, uh, I want to turn it over to Ralph because Ralph is the master of following the global climate news and what's happening um, around our world. Ralph? Dan, let me tag on to that. There's a point that you brought up here not long ago, and I just want you to elaborate on a little bit. And I can't remember the exact detail, but you said we have only X amount of soil cycles left. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I don't remember the exact, but it was something like we have 42 harvests left on planet Earth. Uh, the topsoil is being eroded and sent into our oceans at such a rate of speed because we monocrop, which is not the best way to do it. We plow it up, we row it, we put wheat in or something like that, and when the rains come, they wash out all that topsoil. We have, I believe, it's 42 topsoil crops left on planet earth and then we are out of topsoil we're going to have to find another way to feed nine billion people yeah exactly and just to to kind of underscore that where where we are in our area of canada there's a specific place and i if i could actually take you there if, if there was a possibility to do that but that erosion thing is causing um along the banks where this um where this location is the erosion is so much so that they, they, about every couple of years, they have to keep moving the highway back from the banks because the sand and everything is just washing away. And it's taken them, it's like, it's just unbelievable to watch. I've actually, the last time I was there, I said, what happened here? Where the highway goes? So the highway had to be moved over there. And it's a cottage area where people go in the summertime. They've actually had to move all the cottages and everything there away because of the exact same thing that you're talking about. Um, so, Dan, I had gone through and, and uh, highlighted just some things that we can talk about a little bit. And, and the reason I'm doing this is because there is so little information available. Unless you know where to look for this stuff, nobody's aware. Um, so, these are all these articles that I've got in front of me. And again, Shannon, I realize we're audio only, so I'm going to try to put some, some uh, color into this. These are all articles that were published within, I'd say, probably the last three or four days. Um, here's one here. The title was it empty store shelves and truckers. I'm just going to open it up. And Dan, I think I probably sent you that link. Uh, it says a slew of empty shelf store photographs, uh, from readers all over the country show America falling apart as truckers shut down over quote papers, please at state lines, which is pushing America off the cliff. 
So, and this Dan gets into the the wild card stuff because of what's happened with this whole COVID issue. Um, getting from place to place, you require a lot of documentation stuff, and it's having a very very profound uh, effect on the trucking industry as it does where I live. Uh, in Atlanta, Canada, we're seeing that already now. I, I actually know truckers who struggle with this. And one of the things that's happening as a result, and I'm looking at the pictures on the screen, these are major grocery store chains in the States where entire sections, entire sections of the shelves just have nothing on them. Um, and what I want to do, Dan, is get you to comment on that. But within the framework of that also, it's not just the food that's being transported from point A to point B. And keeping in mind, folks, that we work on a process, and Dan, you can, again, put some meat on the bones on this, called on-time delivery. So basically, we take it out of the ground, we load it in the, the processing, we put it in the truck, and we take it to the grocery store. There's very little warehousing involved. So that's number one. We're interrupting the supply chain because of all the ramifications of trying to get from state to state country to country, province to province, I mean, a lot where we are in Canada, very shortly here in the fall, a lot of our food's being trucked in from Mexico. I have no idea how that's going to work. But in addition to that, Dan, uh, and this will tie in in a second when I say it, you may recall that you had said to me, I'm thinking about a month and a half or two months ago, and it's also going to tie into another article I got coming up, that you had spoken to somebody who ships internationally, and they were paying X amount of dollars for a container to go out in the ocean, and all of a sudden, yeah. the price of their container had gone crazy. I want you to talk about that. But folks, here is the key, okay? It's what's in those containers. It's not that there's necessarily food in the containers, but there could be car parts in the containers, there could be tires in the containers, there could be all integrated circuits. I work in an industry where I'm hearing constant discussions i've got guys in the computer industry who are saying to me listen i have a real problem here like i can't get integrated circuits i just heard the other day where general motors is looking at shutting down an entire truck division because they simply can't get parts so dan would you let's back up a little bit i want you to address that container thing uh and the price of that and then we're going to take it over to this trucking issue as how it relates to the food yes we um we were looking at shipping a container of uh, glass jars actually over into Panama so that we could get some canning done um, and a glass jar in this country is just like gold um, when you hand a glass jar to an indigenous person they, they have a container they can use for years um, you know so so we we were looking at bringing a container uh, actually just a 20 foot container a half container and normally those ship from china over for about $2500 and the price came in at $14200 to ship that 20 foot container they said don't even do 20 you need to do uh, 40 foot because we can get that to you for about 20 20 grand so there's there's no possible way for companies to ship products and produce things like that when the shipping is so high as you can see the uh, the cost to ship that container was 14,000 and i think the cost of the glass jars inside was $4,000 well, so you know so that just ends it we're done here there's no more jars coming so uh, this is happening all over the world there's many many things many 
reasons for that. I saw Ralph that you had you had seen China has just closed a major port, and they they have a reason why they say. But you know, when you close a major port, then the price even goes higher for shipping, supply and demand. But at some point, when de- demand drops off, when you can't afford it anymore, so that's what's happening all all over the world with shipping right now. And as far as the supply chains, we have in the good times. The first world has uh, set up the uh, our, the dynamics. Let's say food at the grocery store. You know, there was a day when I was young. We may have a pallet of uh, pork and beans back there in the uh, in the warehouse for six weeks. They don't do that anymore. They've got enough pork and beans to fill that shelf, and they know that the the, the registers and and the systems know that when they get down to let's just say three cans left, they place an order, and they know that in seven days another twelve cans will be on that shelf. They have it down that that uh, to that degree, so there is no. Um, th- there's no warehousing. There's no extra cost because they've got the, the, you know, the margins are so close. Well, when you start breaking down and you can't ship pork and beans anymore, these guys that are depending on pork and beans being here in seven days, uh, those shelves are going empty. And they're going to be empty for a while because there's no backup supply. As a matter of fact, that our entire nation and most industries have gone this way. There's no backup supply for anything. And so if you think it's not going to be there tomorrow and it's there today, guess who is running out and buying what's left and and even thrusting um, the nation into uh, in, into a greater crisis, um, we saw that with the toilet paper deal in the in the beginning of the the COVID yeah. lockdowns. Yeah, really. So um, so anyway, that's my understanding, and and my direct understanding was twenty five hundred dollars shipping went to fourteen thousand dollars, and that ended that business deal. Yeah. Exactly, and that's not even just about inflation. That's about the reality of. The fact is there's a whole portion of your food supply business in your case, because you and I talked about about doing this whole bottling thing. That thing just went out the window. And you also hey, mentioned that. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Ralph, if I could just mention something. Uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember Hee Haw, you remember the uh, the guy, the barber? Uh, he was cutting hair and he would say, well, you know, old Sam had this happen. And the guy sitting there having his hair cut would say, well, that's terrible. And then he go, no, that's good. Oh really? Yeah, that's good because this would happen. And they go, "Oh, that's good." No, that's terrible. And and uh, you were always on the wrong side of good or terrible watching that funny skit. Well, this is exactly what's happening all around the world. And I'll, I'll just let me share a Panama scenario concerning the COVID lockdown. So all of a sudden, within 48 hours, the government announces everyone in your house, you're finished, no work, uh, no one comes out of your home. And, um, and so everyone in fear runs to their homes. Well, in Panama, if you don't work today, you don't get paid tomorrow and you don't eat. There is no savings. There's no savings account. There's no credit cards here. It's, it's the real true economy. Work today, eat tomorrow. And so these people who went in their homes were trying to figure out because it was only a two-week lockdown at the time, right? Well, how am I going to eat tomorrow? I don't have enough food stored up or money for two weeks. Oh, no, we're in trouble. They had no idea this was going to last for months. And, but <clears throat> so now, now all of a sudden, the farmers – 
who are fifty percent uh, of the food that they delivered went to the customer. The other fifty percent went to the restaurants who were always lit up and busy all through Panama. And all of a sudden, the restaurants are closed. What does that mean? The farmers had twice as much food as they normally would have. And so the guy in the barber chair says, well, that's good. No, that's bad. Because all of a sudden, they have more supply than they know what to do with. So they ran it down to their normal wholesale house. And there was so much food down there that the prices crashed by 50%. And so a normal bag of potatoes would be $30. We were picking them up for $15 or 12 sometimes 9 And so, so the farmers were going bankrupt because they had so much food available and the restaurants were closed. So, so um, but, but the people, it wasn't the food couldn't get to the people. They were locked in their homes. They couldn't even get down to get the food. And so, um, so we had this dynamic. Then after a, uh, the months of this and the farmers said, well, I'm not planting any more food. If this is the way it's going to be, we're losing money like crazy. I can't even afford to drive it down. So they planted half as much food for the next season. Then they opened. Uh, oh, and then you might say in the barber chair, oh, well, that's good. No, that's bad because then they opened the country back up and the restaurant said, we need to refill our refrigerators and they put their orders in and there was no food. So the price of food skyrocketed because whoever had a bag of potatoes was golden, but the farmers didn't have the potatoes. They only grew half as much. So that's good. No, that's bad. That's bad. No, that's good. And then, uh, then the farmers ramped up their production again, and here came an onslaught of foreign international uh, relief goods coming in at pennies on the dollar from other nations. They were liquidating and selling all the extra food they had, and it once again bankrupted the farmers. So uh, I thought I would share that because these types of upheavals cause farmers to give up. They throw in the towel. They say, I can't, I can't farm in the middle of this mess. Uh, I can't get a stable price. I, there's no guarantee tomorrow. I'm going to stop for a while until this evens out, which takes us to fact number two. Usable farmlands are in decline. And I'll say this, and then I'll turn it back over, Ralph. I have a, a bishop who contacted me in uh, Africa and this was right before COVID. He said, I have 800 churches. We want to do a global food revolution. We want to learn how to grow food in our rural communities. All the pastors uh, can grow. All the people can grow. Let's do it. But he, he, I said, when do you want to do it? Let's go. And he said, oh, maybe in the next year. Then COVID hit. One year later, he contacts me and he says, Dr. Daves, are you still there? I said, I'm here. He said, we are highly motivated. We are desperate in the last year, we lost 100 of our pastors and their entire congregations to starvation because they didn't have food. They didn't have control of food. God they died in their huts as the government told them to stay in their huts. And I can't even imagine pastoring a group of people saying, Jesus loves you. He will meet your needs while you die. That's what drives us. That's what drives Ralph and I yeah. 
to uh, 24-7 to train and teach and educate as many people as we can. Uh, it's not rocket science. It just takes a little bit of uh, hard work and, and understand what's coming in the future so that uh, so we can do it uh, at God's speed. So with that, Ralph, I thought that was important to put out that when, when just a government making a random decision, the people that that have died of malnutrition and starvation already is more than have died of COVID. And we're just getting started with that. These upheavals will not just go back to normal in a McDonald's drive through minute. And so more people are on the brink all through the world, including Latin America, which has taken one of the hardest hits of all. You know, gentlemen, yeah. If uh, for those that are just joining us, we're here tonight with Dr. Daniel Daves from Panama and Ralph Poupart from Canada. Now that makes perfect sense what you said, Brother Daniel. Same thing happened here in Bali, Indonesia. I moved here from the States five years ago, been here five years now, and I was out at an um, organic farm operation last year, went up with a friend to check it out, and uh, the, the man in charge of this uh, small farm in Badugal said uh, the same thing had happened to all the farmers. When the lockdown began, most of them were uh, growing food for the hotel industry here. Hotels shut down. They lost their customers. They basically uh, lost all income, and many of them had stopped farming. We're hearing the same thing here, and that was last year, and it still hasn't opened up. I bet you that most of wow. them are dead and uh, in terms of their farming operations. Um, the other thing that we've also heard here on this side of the world is uh, some of the local pastors have been warning there's problems coming. And one particular pastor has been warning people to learn how to farm because he feels in his spirit uh, there's going to be massive food shortages. And if you don't know how to farm and have a little small farm out in your yard, you may not eat. Um, I'm paying attention tonight. Back to you, gentlemen. So, Dan, one of the things, uh, we've got about 25 minutes. One of the things I do want us to talk about a little bit more, not at the moment, though, is about the dehydration process because it's something people can do locally. But let me also talk about another uh, trend that's happening, and, and this is popping up absolutely everywhere. I'm reading a headline right now that says, U.S. declares the first ever Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. River water shortage? Are, are, are you kidding me? The, the Colorado ever. River oh, yeah. is, is running out of water? Uh, there's another one here. Uh, Newsom in California just said uh, statewide water restrictions may be on the way. I just saw another article here, and I want to tell you it was Lake Mead. Don't quote me on that. They're, they are actually saying right now in California, if there's not some kind of a break in this drought situation, that 40 million people are going to have to leave California because they won't be able to power the water generators. Yes. This right. is completely insane. Nobody's ever heard of anything like this before. But I said all that to say this, that this drought and this heat wave, and, you know, I'll go back to your climate crazy thing and we'll just leave it at that. 
because you know we can go anywhere with that but the bottom line is there is a reality of something happening and i can tell you categorically that there's portions of canada right now where the farmers are being forced to sell off their livestock because they just simply don't have enough food to get them through the winter they don't because we're looking at this and going gee this is really interesting there's no big deal with the price of beef here well you just hang on and see what how much longer we can play that game so, Dan, with uh, relative to the whole issue with regards to protein um, and meat and pigs and chicken, and we could, if we had the time, and maybe on another one we'll develop it, but what's going on in China in terms of the food shortages is just absolutely breathtaking. It's absolutely breathtaking. And you had said to me a num- on a number of different occasions one of the key things we have got to be able to do is make protein available. And on the in our greenhouses, Dan, we're focusing mostly on things like um, kohlrabi, kale. Um, uh, uh, I'm thinking the spinach. The what's the uh, what's the tall spinach that grows up the uh, yeah the Malabar spinach. The Malabar spinach was and and folks, I just want to say this real quick. Uh, I wish we had a way to show you pictures, but. Um, in these greenhouses, which are quite large, Malabar spinach, you, it grows up a rope. And I remember Dan taking me and opening up the door when it's just stuff's fully matured. And literally, you could barely get in the greenhouse. The whole thing, you can hardly get in the greenhouse. The stuff is that prolific. It grows so fast. Amazing. And it's super, super nutritious. And the beauty of it is you can, you can dehydrate it and powderize it, mix it with other dehydrated powderized greens and Ziploc bags. And I think a tablespoon of that, Dan, in a, in a, in a pot of rice is equivalent to about a pound of food. Is that not right? That's right. Our mixed greens. That's right. A yeah. heaping tablespoon. Julia. Well, let me uh, yeah. just mention this. I you know, uh, don't want to give a, a shameless plug, but our, our nonprofit plug, organization, plug. Uh, globalfoodproviders.com. And if you go out, globalfoodproviders.com, go, go out to the top and just click on dehydration. You will see what Ralph's talking about. We have an entire section there with tons of photos of our volunteers and people that and, and all of the foods that we are dehydrating. Now, folks, I think that uh, today we have to approach this on multiple levels. Number one, you have to be concerned as uh, the leader of your home. You have to say, listen, I need to be able to feed my family. And so what does the future you know, in store for our family? Then, hey, I, need, I have a community. I have a business, a, a, a fellow employees. I have a church, a school full of people that, that I want to help make sure that they're well-fed in the coming years. And then, of course, we have entire nations that need to be felt, uh, 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 fed. Ralph, you said 40 million Californians having to leave if this goes yeah. into mass drought and the power yeah. and the water shuts down. Well, yeah. those Californians, for the most part, are going to find a ride out of California. But what if this were to happen on a big mountain in India? Those pe- those 40 million people are going to die. They're not going to they don't have the money to get out. They don't have the means to to move out of the, the that crisis zone. And th- and so that's why this uh, this wild card climate craziness is so important for us to look at and specifically uh, for those of us who have extra. And if you if you have a car, a motorcycle, um, if you have electricity in your house or a laptop computer, if you have internet and you're listening to us on internet right now, you are one of the top um, uh, uh, wealthy people on planet Earth. 
And uh, this is a time for all good men and all uh, uh, believers. Um, Jesus said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. This is the time for us to find someone and help them. It doesn't cost that much to do it. And uh, my wife and I and Ralph and many, many others have dedicated our lives to to feeding the poor, and now we find ourselves right in a time frame where there are so many poor, and it's growing every day. Well, dehydration is one of the main ways, the simplest, cheapest way that we can that we can save and preserve the foods we're losing. Yes, we need to grow more, but before we grow more, how about we save the forty percent we're losing? That would be a good a good start, and dehydration is the key. Now, there's two operations you've probably heard of if if you're a novice in this. One is freeze-drying. If you've ever heard, buy the 25-year food supply, you can get it now, that's freeze-dried. And that that is a process, and that is rocket science. That uh, uh, Our dehydrator, our prototype dehydrator does 150 pounds a day. We're building one that will do 2,000 pounds a day. Amazing. But to do... To do the 150 pounds a day as freeze-dry would cost us $350,000 for that machine for 150 pounds a day. For a, If you want to do 150 pounds a day, we can get it for, done for about eight grand. So dehydration is the key, and we're not trying to save food for 25 years from now. We're trying to save food to get it distributed into the hands of people who need it this year. So I really think dehydration is the key. And uh, you'll be able to see the photos out there and all that. One of the the greatest things you can do to dehydrate uh, is find the superfoods, the super nutritions uh, that will grow in your area. Um, and this this is so deep and wide. If you are a person of faith or you're a person that you would you just want to help the poor, you there are so much food to be donated and given away in your area. Grocery stores are thrown away by the container load. Uh, bread companies are uh, we we worked for years with a bread company who gave us food. They gave us bread in St. Louis, Missouri, and they threw up to thirty five semi truckloads of bread away every week. Whoa! And they said, "How much you want? <laughs> Come get it." Take it away. Amazing. When they go back in and the day, you know, the day old stuff, and they rotate it out, there are there were semi truckloads being thrown away, and it was all going to pig farms and wherever they could dump it and get rid of it. And so I just want to tell you, if you open up your eyes a little bit, number one, get a little dehydrator and put it on your countertop. That'll help your family. But number two, look out a little further, and you can develop a food project right in your community where you can help those who are in desperate need. I saw a headline just today. Ralph, I'm sure you saw it. It said that that because of the high price of food these days, people are having to, to crunch in their uh, in their food purchasing, and they're having to pull back just to feed the families. This is only going to get worse. And at the time when we're at $15 bread, milk, and eggs, people are going to have to decide, do I put gas in the tank to go to work 
or do I feed my family? And that's going to be crunch time, and then it will probably get worse even after that. So we have to be prepared. We need to be doing it now. Um, again, dehydration is a great way, and it doesn't cost that much. If you have a church that cares for your community, the best thing you could do right now is to convert a big closet into a dehydrator and get busy. Go find the food. They'll give it to you and save it, preserve it. Um, then also, what we're doing uh, in Panama, we have a 12-month growing season, we're taking superfoods, kale, Swiss chard, mustard greens, collard greens, okra, um, and spinach, this Malabar spinach, which, which we have a jungle of it out in our greenhouses. Uh, we can't pick enough. It grows faster than we can pick it. We take all of that, we dehydrate it, crunch it down, powderize it, and it becomes a massive superfood. And don't let me forget one other product we throw in. This is the most powerful product on planet Earth, and that is Moringa. The Moringa tree, you can go out and buy the seeds for five cents a piece on eBay. Get some Moringa in the ground. If you live in a cold zone, get put it in big pots and drag it into your garage to save it uh, through the wintertime. Moringa is the most powerful superfood. There's a reason it's called the tree of life. And the elevator message on that is Moringa is filled with vitamins A, B, C, D, and E, all of the micronutrients you need, all of the amino acids you need, and 26% protein. There is no other food like it on earth, and all you have to do is strip the leaves down. You can dehydrate them, or you can eat them fresh. If those churches in Africa would have had Moringa growing in their homes, they would be alive today and not dead. And uh, that is one of the greatest things we can add in, uh, and it supercharges all food items. We have friends that have a Moringa farm, and they uh, we we uh, are thinking, we're always talking about protein projects, and they said, oh, you could just grow Moringa, and it is absolutely true. Moringa is the number one go-to. So don't forget that, and, uh, and when we take a heaping tablespoon of our superfood powders, we throw it into a pot of rice, it infuses in while it's cooking, the kids can't even taste it, and they start growing out of their clothes, their minds get clearer, their, their grades go up, everything changes in the third world. Why? Because the third world doesn't eat very much protein, which is vital, it's essential, and the third world doesn't eat greens, they eat rice, beans, plantains, little chicken if they're wealthy. And so when you add that in, everything changes in their lives. Amazing. So um, th th that's what I thought I would mention in dehydration. Anything else there, Ralph? So, Dan, a uh, couple quick things there. And, you know, I've been very blessed because my wife, Joyce, is real good at going into the superstore, the supermarket here, and they almost always have a clearance area, even right now with things going on. <clears throat> where they've got fruits and vegetables that are 50% off because they've just reached the due date. We bring that stuff home and dehydrate, and we've got quite a little collection of bags of stuff floating around here that's dehydrated, like, just like you say. Um, two things I want to mention, Dan, and again, it's not, not meaning to be a shameless plug, but if you're not sure in the area of personal dehydration what to do on that Global Food Providers website, I think there's an area there where we featured some Excalibur dehydrators and things, which is the one that you suggested we purchase, which we did. 
Um, it's been remarkably steady. It just runs most of the time. So definitely, there's a lot of information on that site for folks to do stuff on a personal level and also to be able to reach out in the community, which brings me around to something that you said, because you mentioned the magic word, which is chickens. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah th- and this is this one's crazy, Shannon. Um, so, and Dan, I, we've got uh, we got about 12 minutes, so I'm just going to intro this and let you build around it, because one of the things that we realized was there's an incredible shortage of protein. And you know the old adage, you can either give a person fish or you can teach them to fish. So, Dan, why don't you tell what happened, the miracle that transpired in the middle of COVID, the miracle of the building that transpired in the middle of COVID, and what's happening with the chickens, and what happens if somebody wants to give a chicken away? <laughs> Go for it. Yes. Well, let me let me interweave uh, our faith in the middle of this. When uh, when the COVID thing started, we live we live in National Geographic territory, right across the dirt path from our farm, are um, indigenous people that live on dirt floors and no electricity. You know, and it has been that way for hundreds of years. So. Um, we uh, we pulled them all together when the lockdown came, and we all met under candlelight at our farm. A lot of people came, and I told them, I said, "Listen, folks, there's not there's not enough uh, food in this country to feed Panama if we stop working." But I said, "There is one who has this food. His name is Jesus, and let me share a principle with you." And um, and and so I I told them the story of the the five thousand where the disciples said, Jesus, send them away, or they're going to get hungry and faint. Uh, it's getting late. It's time for dinner. And Jesus said, I've got an idea. How about you feed them? And they said, are you crazy? All we have is a few loaves of bread and some fish. We don't have enough to feed 5,000 men and their wives and children. Jesus said, let me show you how it's done. And so he began to work a miracle to show these disciples that when you don't have it, that what you do have is the key. What you do have is the key to produce a miracle from heaven. And so basically they all sat down in groups and and uh, the disciples went out and they handed out these five loaves of bread and a couple fish and everyone was fed until they were full. And at the end of this feeding miracle, each of the 12 disciples had a basket to take home with them. That's how much food was multiplied that at the end there was more than they started with. And so I shared this with the people and I said, now this doesn't sound right to you because you're all scared that you're not going to be able to eat next week. But I want you to go in faith in Jesus' name. I want you to find the people that are hungry and scared around you. And I want you to give them something to eat that you have. And they all committed we will do it. And we prayed and we said, break. And they took off. And the next day they went out and they they sneaked food around the houses to other people that didn't have any. And do you know that our community was not out of work one day through the entire lockdown? There was so much employment, food employment, construction employment, building on to farms and building on to things where the, and these were jobs that were allowed because they were essential services every one of our people had more work than they knew what to do with through the entire lockdown and we firmly believe but no one else did no one else in the area had any it was because they stepped out and gave what they had 
It was crazy. And we also started giving and our trucks started filling up miraculously people started giving and calling and saying come the restaurants were saying hey i got 300 pounds of meat here we're closed down just come get it and give it away and we started giving we gave 120,000 pounds per truckload of food away during the covid catastrophe uh, 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 two or three times a week we're taking a thousand pounds every uh, every day out and giving it away to people with miracles you can't even imagine in the middle of that we felt like the Lord was telling us to build a chicken house so we built so we built a chicken house to hold a hundred and eighty chickens and uh, and we built it uh, it was a miracle how it was all built and as soon as it was built we got an idea an idea from heaven, and that was this, that the people that are struggling out there now who have lost their jobs permanently and they haven't been employed for over a year and they're looking but they can't find anything to eat, their kids are not eating right, we're feeding their kids on our farm uh, through day, uh, uh, daytime feeding projects, but, uh, but we got this idea, this 180 chicken chicken house can hold over a thousand chickens when they're little babies, and so we we put this idea together and we said, look, if we can just take the baby chicken, raise it up to eight weeks, it's strong, got its feathers, immune system built, we can hand this chicken over to the poorest of the families. And this little mama, she will go to work for two and a half years and she will lay an egg every day. That's 912 eggs per chicken she's going to lay for a family who doesn't have money for protein. Protein's expensive. If, you, if you're going to buy something, you buy carbs. That's rice, right? Rice, you, you, you get the very cheapest. Protein's expensive. And these chickens are little work agents who will produce protein all day long. So we have bought hundreds of little baby chickens and we're we're raising them right now and we're going to keep this process going because the need is so great and if if there's a family of 10 who is in deep trouble? We're giving them ten chickens. If it's a, a widow with uh, with three kids, they get four chickens. Everyone gets a chicken, so everyone gets an egg per day, proteins and fats. And so we are employing these little work machines that God has given us, called the chicken, the egg laying chicken, and we're giving them out a one time gift. And for two and a half years, we know that that family's protein is covered. And that all just came as a, a miraculous, wisdomatic idea, just a download that came to us uh, because we were out feeding people and we were praying about protein. And so with that, Ralph, take it. Yeah, so Dan, uh, I think uh, there's some videos on the Global Food Provider site that talk a little bit about that process. I believe that's correct, yes? Yes, that's right. Yeah, And also, uh, there's a GoFundMe site that you can get to as well. Anybody can sponsor a chicken for five bucks. Uh, and, you can, and so, in other words, if you want to, like, and that chicken's going to produce an egg a day for a person for, what, two and a half years for the sake of five dollars. So, I really would encourage you folks, and again, I just say it, we don't make a dime on this. That's not what we're doing. But the beauty of this is, if you get on the site and you feel led, Buy a chicken for five bucks, or buy ten, or buy twenty, or whatever you want. But uh, you know, this is a—it's a good way to sow a seed for sure. And it's—it's um, it's been a huge part of what we started. And, and again, like say, Dan, this just came right out of left field. Um, yes, it nobody sure would did. have even. It, it, 
and the miracle of it is that that building which i think there's video on the global food provider site that'll show everything all of the stuff folks that you see there that all happened in the middle of a covid lockdown in the middle of completely nowhere it just happened and it is a really high class extremely extremely well constructed facility god gave us ideas as to how to keep the these little critters warm uh, at night because I mean there was no electricity there to do that. It's just the whole thing has just been a miracle right from the get go. So um, and Ralph, it, I might mention too that uh, that because we do minister uh, this uh, uh, the global food revolution to pastors and leaders around the world, we have got pastors, we've got leaders that are taking this deal right now. They're exactly. saying that's too simple. A chicken, I can just. I can hand a chicken to the to the poor, and that chicken feeds that person for the next two and a half years. And exactly. so we've got a they're they're lighting it up all over the place now uh, in the third world. This is something that that you could take if you're listening today. This is something you could do: sponsor some chickens. And if if you're in a place that doesn't have zoning or ordinances against chickens, I guess. But uh, but this is something that's it's taken off around the world. Here's my question. <laughs> There may be people out there tuning in and say, hey, I don't know how to plan. I've been a, living in the city my whole life, but I want to get started, or I know nothing about dehydration, um, or I want to um, fund your program. There's many opportunities here I'm seeing, and it's the message tonight that um, a famine is coming, and we need to get started today not only to provide for our own family, but as we bless others and feed the poor, like sponsoring a family for a chicken each. God will meet our needs in a hard time. So um, are you saying we need to work this from both ends? And if so, how do we get started? Dan? Wow. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that, uh, remember Jesus said to Peter three times in uh, John 21, 17, third time he said to to Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. <laughs> He's like, of course you know I love you. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you for a third time, feed my sheep. The reason Jesus kept pounding this home is that when you feed my sheep, you open up a dimension called the fourth dimension kingdom of heaven and you open up a divine supply line to come into your family your community and to those people that you're feeding and that and jesus was trying to pound this home to peter to say you want to get heaven to open up for you start feeding people and watch the miracles that take place and so that that's one thing i think that's the that's the heartbeat of god and in the middle of that on a personal level um there's so many things we can do. We, you can grow enough salad and food items in your living room or on a, on a balcony with just a couple of uh, de, uh, um, hydroponic systems. You can see a lot of that stuff out at the Global Food Provider site. We're always talking about it and recommending different things. Don't forget YouTube University. There's a million people out there trying to tell you what worked for them. And as far as uh, uh, really getting educated, come down to Panama for a week, put your gloves on, and we'll show you the full meal deal on how to get started. And from there, some you'll get a hold of something where you say, I can do this. Now, My community can do this. You also have some books available that people can get started now. Is that true? What do you have where they can learn some? Sure. 
We sure do. I would recommend the global food revolution and for Christian leaders to understand the command of God on us right now. See, we're living in a brand new day. Uh, and so you need that you need that book for Christian leaders. I'd recommend just getting both of them. Uh, you can, they're on Amazon.com. Order them. They'll print them and send them to you in just a few days. And the first one is called Global Food Revolution. The second one is called Food is Power. My pastor drilled into me as a young man, and he always said, Food is power, and whoever has the food has the power. And here we are today. Food is being used and weaponized. And so we, the people of God, need to have the power of food because God God is looking for people of mercy to give food to so that we can can operate as a blessing and not as controlling agents over people's lives. Can I say this? Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. You see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you and nations will come to your light. That scripture goes on. Read it, Isaiah 60. But it's saying we're living in a brand new day today and what used to work doesn't work anymore. But what didn't work before works today. Open your eyes, look up, because for the next decade, it's all about food and water in the name of Jesus. Feed my sheep. Gentlemen, let's extend another five minutes. Um, we've got people asking right now, how do I get involved? Give me the links again. And here's one more question. Uh, you've got your main site, globalfoodproviders.com. Are you affiliated or is it your site also that's a children's feeding network? What is the relationship here? Yes, Global Food Ro- uh, Providers is our Panama Outreach of our nonprofit organization called Children's Feeding Network. Children's Feeding Network reaches all the way in through Latin America, in the Philippines, in Africa to a small extent, and in wow. some rural towns of the United States. But Global Food Providers is Panama, and that's our Panama nonprofit outreach. Okay. Now, folks, I'm excited about this. If you're just joining us, there's an opportunity to make a difference here. And, you know, Daniel and Ralph, uh, now I'm really understanding the word where it says it's more blessed to give than receive and given it shall be given unto you abundantly as we feed God's people out there the poor the widows the orphans those in disaster God will meet our needs in fact I remember the Lord speaking to me one time I was running an herbal supplements business for about four years two of those years by the way Ralph I spent in um, Paitia Panama I lived there right there in Panama City love Panama oh. I would have stayed there but something happened that's another story for another time uh, but at any rate spent two years there three in Costa Rica and a few months in Cartagena Colombia but uh, what I wanted to say to the people out there is folks uh, the Lord spoke to me and he said the reason your business is alive is because you remembered the poor and he brought back a uh, scripture that says he that gives to the poor has he who lends to the poor is given to God and God shall repay And folks, uh, the best investment any of us can make, it's not in the stock market or in gold and silver or even in crypto that I love. Give to the poor first. And when hard times come, God's going to remember what you did and he's going to meet your needs too. Uh, So I want to encourage people to get involved with this chicken program. 
I think I want to sponsor about 100 chickens. How about you out there tonight? $5. You can give a chicken to a child, and it will give them one egg per day. Uh, give a chicken to each member of a family. Uh, you know, eggs are so precious over here in Indonesia uh, that uh, it's not like in America. You might have three scrambled eggs every single day. Over here, I've seen them be thankful for one egg, guys, and they'll take that egg and they'll put it in a stir fry, and one egg will feed a family even. Think about that the next time you have your breakfast, folks. We're so blessed if you get more than one egg a day. Some families are thankful to get one for the whole family. And for $5, you can have an egg-laying machine, a chicken that will give them one egg a day. I'm excited about this. Not only that we can help others, but there's an opportunity for us also to start some things right now that are going to have massive payoffs as this famine comes in. Because you've heard tonight an explanation of the just-in-time inventory. Uh, it's collapsing. Uh, cargo containers skyrocketing to where you can't even afford to ship things in with that. It's coming. And you're not going to hear about this on CNN until it's too late. And your only option at that point is to get into a FEMA food line. It's time to make some hard decisions today. We've got to start growing food, dehydrating, and we've got to feed as many around us as we can that's the word. Jesus says, when you give a child a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, you will in no wise lose your reward. When you fed those that were hungry, Jesus said, you fed me. So this is not an option. It's a command if we want to obey the Lord to begin to help people. And then doors open up for you to minister to them too through the love of Christ that you've shown them. Once again, gentlemen, globalfoodproviders.com is where we need to go. That is correct, sir. And the term that we are using for this, Shannon, is called agricultural evangelism. Guys, I'm excited. I'm pumped up now. Um, I want to get started. And I'm so thankful, Brother Ralph, for you inviting Dr. Daniel Daves on tonight and you gentlemen uh, giving us an education tonight on what's going on and what we can do uh, to survive and help others survive. And... Um, Again, folks, go to globalfoodproviders.com. I recommend everybody get the books. Join with us in sponsoring an egg-laying chicken for $5 and take some time and go through that website. And it's time to start your education. You know, I'm a, I'm a city dweller my whole life, but my great-grandfather, gentleman, was a farmer. He owned about 60 acres down, or 100 acres or so down in South Georgia, Lyons, Georgia, and he farmed and was also a school teacher. I know nothing about the farm. I went out one time and, and visited it. It's been sold, sadly. We have no farm left in the family now, but um, that's my roots. And I always knew, I think I was supposed to be uh, farming at some point. Might as well get started. I'm 51. Is it too late? Not at all, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. No, uh, I, we started, I'm 59, uh, and, and, and uh, I feel like I'm just getting started. So uh, you're, you're right in the loop. You're right in the right time frame. Gentlemen, the time just went <laughs> And by we it. really would love to help you in, in Indonesia or, or anywhere around the world, wherever you're, you're functioning and wherever you have a, a footprint. Let's do it. Let's light those places up with food shelters of mercy. I love this. Um, folks, get involved with this ministry, globalfoodproviders.com. Uh, 
Dr. Daniel and Ralph, can we get you all back on again? Time just flew by today. Absolutely, we do that, Dan, wouldn't we? It would yeah. be an honor. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Thanks. We'll set For it sure. up. Gentlemen, would you like to close us out in prayer tonight? Dan? Ralph? <laughs> Lord, thank you so much. Uh, why for don't the, you take this? Yeah. Okay, no worries. Lord, thank you so much for the time you've given us tonight. Thank you that there is vital information here. There's going to be people who are going to hear this recording after the fact. Thank you that you will stir the hearts of the people, show them what it is that they need to do to provide, not just for them and theirs, but for everybody around them. Show them how to multiply food, whether it's naturally, supernaturally, whatever, whether it's buying, storing, growing, dehydrating, show them what to do, but mostly show them how to use food as a way to reach this, the, the lost for Jesus through agricultural evangelism, let them know that it's the Lord who is doing the providing through human hands, but it's you that care about them, love them, and you're doing the providing. And we thank you for it. We just bless Shannon and everything he's doing in Jesus' name, Lord. Keep protected, yes. provided yes. for, uh, and all the other things that they need to do in the midst of what they're dealing with over there. We commit this over to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Gentlemen, one final question. Uh, the question is, do you have PayPal? where people can support this work? We sure do. And uh, out there at the globalfoodproviders.com, you can just click under Donate at the top, and it will give all the options, including PayPal there. Uh, if you're not able to go there, it's simply our email address, info at globalfoodproviders.com. That is our PayPal account. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Fast and easy way to give, folks. Gentlemen, we'll see you again next time. Thank you, Brother Daniel. Thank you, Brother Ralph. I love you both. Absolutely, Shannon. God bless. Thank you, sir. Thank God you, bless. Folks, stay tuned. The marathon will continue. We're going right into our next program.